So in your worship folder, I'm done with all that stuff. In your worship folder is an outline for you to follow along with. There's some of the verses for today, as well as some, some fill-ins. We are, we're kind of, what we do in the summer often is we have a series that kind of stretches out over the summer because so many different things happen and we can kind of just plug it in and every piece of the series is important, but it doesn't necessarily always have to build on each other. And so that's what we do. Um, So last week was this amazing baptism at the beach. The last in this series of spirit wars, um, we talked about claiming the authority of Jesus. We're actually going to talk a couple different weeks about authority. Um, because it's so important. What's, what we're doing with Spirit Wars is if you're a follower of Jesus, and even if you're not yet, there is a spiritual battle going on. You are in a fight and you may not even know it. There is a battle for your soul, for the people around you, and a lot of people will say, well, I'm not really part of that. And I want to say, then you're kind of already on the way down. Because it's happening and we need to recognize it. So if we're followers of Jesus, what can we do to win this battle? What can we do to win the spiritual battle? So this week, what we're going to be talking about, we're going to continue on the authority theme. We're going to talk about trusting the authority of God's word. Because we, we hold God's word very high here. Everything we do is based in God's word. What we believe, what we practice is based in the word of God. And I kind of have um, on your worship folders, on your outline and up on the screen, there's kind of a, a foundational statement that we're going to go on today. And here's what it is. The Bible, as the word of God, has the transformational power to change our lives and shape us perfectly into the likeness of Jesus. That's what the power of the Word of God has. And throughout this series, we've been saying that the real spiritual battles, they're not flesh and blood. We we say here, if it's flesh and blood, it's not the enemy. You get mad at somebody or something. That's not really the thing. There's something behind that happening. And we know that for us, most of the real spiritual battles begin and happen in our minds with our thoughts and where we're going. That's where the action is. So what we're going to talk about today is something that can help transform the way we think. And that's the sword of the spirit. And since we're doing kind of spirit wars, star wars stuff, a lot of you are thinking, okay, we're going to do lightsabers today. (laughs) No, we're not going to do that today. But we are going to do something a little bit fun today. But I, I want to talk about how we wield the sword of the spirit, the word of God, about how God gives us the, the greatest asset of all in this battle that we're in, and that's truth. Truth is huge. All of the purposes, all of the purposes God has for us are fulfilled as we discover in His Word, in the Bible, the way to fulfill them. I want to say that again because that, that is so important. All, all of the purposes God has for us are fulfilled as we discover in His Word, the Bible, the way to fulfill them. And so if we're not in God's Word, if we're not having that be a part of our life, we're not going to know what's going on, why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing. The Word of God, the Bible, I have spent the better part of my life now studying it, sharing it, teaching it, attempting to live it. For over 40 years I've been doing this. And here's, here's something that that's, I've seen along the way. Too many people I've met say they have a very high opinion of the Bible, but it doesn't show. If you ask them, they have a very high opinion of the Bible, of God's Word, but it doesn't play out in their life. It reminds me of one of my favorite 
Star Wars scenes. <laughs> the Last Jedi, Episode 8. you got to kind of listen to catch this. One of my favorite quotes from the whole movie. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to... you, you got to listen for what Yoda says and watch the expression. So watch, watch this. Yoda. Young Skywalker. I'm ending all of this. The tree, the text, the Jedi. I'm going to burn it down. Jedi order to end. Time it is. For you to look past a pile of old books. The sacred Jedi texts. Oh, read them, have you? Well, I mean, page turners, they were not. Yes, yes, yes. Wisdom they held, but that library contained nothing that the girl Ray does not already possess. Hmm. Skywalker. Still looking to the horizon. Never hear that. Hmm? The need in front of your nose. Hmm? I was weak. Unwise. Lost Ben Solo, you did. Lose Ray, we must not. I can't be what she needs me to be. Heeded my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery. But weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. <laughs> What they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters.
For those of you who aren't familiar with what was going on there, these sacred Jedi texts were in that tree, being guarded for, for centuries. And he burns them down, as you saw. And my favorite line from the whole thing was, but the text, the sacred text, and Yoda's, read them you have (laughs) and the look on his face you know how many times I have seen that look when people talk about the Bible and and they'll say something I'll say I I, what I want to say is read it you have (laughs) and they give me that same look here's the problem his his their text that we're not talking about the Bible but a lot of people have that same attitude about it and and the the issue is so many people, if I said, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Church people would say, well, of course, if it's, it's God's word to us. And I want to say, then why aren't you obeying it? Why aren't you doing what it's, have you read it? And they give me that same look. See, it's no good sitting on your shelf. We know people, we know people who have been to countries that the people it's illegal to have a Bible. You go home and count how many Bibles you have laying around your house. And there are countries where they have to smuggle the pages in because it's illegal to have a Bible. I can guarantee you, if I asked them, read them you have, they would say, you bet I have. I memorized the page that I got from the Bible. And we have access to it, and we don't do anything with it. So what I want to do today is I just want to, uh, we've done this before um, in, a, in a different way. I, I just want to say, here's what good the Bible is. We actually did 40 days of this, 40 days in the Word. We talked about the Bible. We talked about how to, how to use the Bible, how for it to use us. But I just want to very briefly say something today. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. It's very simple. You've probably seen it before. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and 17. Um, here's what it says. Son, your outline, it's up on the screen. It says, all scripture. That's, that's the Bible. When he's talking about that, he's talking about what was written in the New Testament, the Old Testament, the entire Bible. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. We've talked about that word before. Um, if you need to know the Greek, it's theopneustos, and it just means God breathed. All of the scriptures, all of the Bible is inspired by God. That means it's God breathed. That means each of the writers did their own thing, some of its poetry, some of its history. It's all different kinds of things. But in all of that, God worked and superintended so that it would be God-breathed and the words would be God's word. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. And here's what it's useful for. It's useful to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God, it says, uses that the word of God, the scripture, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So if you want to be prepared and equipped, you can't do that without the Bible. You can't do that without God's word. The Bible's claim about itself is that it isn't just a product of human reasoning. It is the very breath of God. That's why it it doesn't contradict itself. That's why so many people say, yeah, well, look at this and look at this. And it's like, I've told kids is that when I was a youth pastor my whole life said, all kids want to be right. You want to believe that you're right. You're always right. I can tell you how to always be right. You want to know how to always be right? Agree with the Bible. You'll always be right. Maybe not in everybody else's eyes, but you'll always be right in God's eyes. It will always be the truth. So on the basis that all scripture 
is the breath of God. I'm going to just walk through that passage very quick. Four ways the word of God leads us to victory. In this battle that we're in, the spirit war, the spiritual battle that we all go through on a regular basis, up and down like this, sometimes really hard, sometimes not so hard, but maybe more subtle. In the battle that we're in, how do we win? How does the word of God lead us to victory? The first way that it says in that passage is that it reveals what is true. And that's something that's really lacking in our society today. Truth. People want to say, well, yeah, that's your truth. And it's like, okay, do you understand the definition of truth? Truth means it's true. Your truth and my truth can't be different. That wouldn't be truth. There's a word word for that. It's called opinion, but not truth. Truth is truth. And the word of God reveals what's true. It says it gives us the information. It gives us the training. It gives us the teaching. It gives us what we need to provide, to provide that foundation of right thinking in our lives. Because it really shows us the mind and the will of God. You want to know what God's thinking? You want to know what God's will is? It's in his word. That's where it's at. So the first thing that God does through his word to lead us to victory is he reveals what's true. As we study, as we read, as we memorize, as we look at, as we listen to the Bible, as we obey it, we learn what is true. The second thing, God's word from that passage shows me what's wrong in my life. It shows me the standard. It shows me what's true. And then it shows me what's wrong in my life. This is probably one of the least like things about the Bible. We read it and discover in the Bible, oh, I'm wrong. It says do this and I'm doing this. It says not to do this and I'm doing that. And we find out that there's, there's a problem in our lives. The Bible shows us what's wrong in our life. In Hebrews 4.12 and 13, it talks about the Bible. And here's how it describes it. It says the word of God is alive. It's alive and powerful. I love that description because I told you I've been, I've been studying God's word to teach and preach and live it for over 40 years now. And I can look at a passage that I have read literally hundreds of times and God will open up something brand new from it for the situation that I'm in because it's alive. It's alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit. It's, it's between joint and marrow. What it's saying is it exposes everything, our innermost thoughts and desires. That's what people don't like about it because they see something in it that reflects the shortcomings in their life. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable. People think that nobody sees this, it's okay. Nobody knows this, it's okay. And, and, and God's word shows us that that's not true. When I read this verse um, this week as I was preparing for this, it says, God is the one to whom we are accountable. It was funny because I, I, I go on rabbit trails often, but I got, I got a picture came into my mind and I started thinking of something. I, I'm sitting at my desk laughing. Um, there's, a, there's a place, it's called the Babylon Bee. If you, if you are on Facebook or, or Twitter, Instagram, I think it's probably on Instagram too, they have a, a blog on the website. If, if you ever see somebody post an article from the Babylon Bee, here's what you need to know. It's satire. It's not, not real. What I like about them is they make fun of everything. Make fun of everything. 
in, in, in the church and Christianity and religious world, but they're, they don't mix any, they just make fun of. They, for instance, they had an article one time, and I saw it get reposted 50 times by people I knew on Facebook that thought it was real. And they said that this one particular church now installed a water slide for baptisms. <laughs> and you would get to the top of the water slide, and they'd push you off, and you didn't know it. You'd go down the water slide, <laughs> another baptism. It wasn't true, people. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the comments that I was reading from people that were commenting on that. It's like, you don't get satire, do you? Anyhow, every, every time something comes up from the Babylon Bee, I'll read it to Julie, and she'll just roll her eyes and look at me as I laugh, because it's really funny. But I know a number of people. I'm not picking on anybody here. But I know a number of people who have a tattoo that says, only God can judge me. It's actually from like a 20-year-old song or something, but there's some current stuff. And I know a number of people who have that. I'm not picking on you. I'm not saying this is you. But there was this Babylon Bee article. And I just want to go ahead and put the, the picture up there. After briefly glancing at the inscription on his arm, the man suddenly began staring off into nothingness as he realized that he would be accountable for his every action in life. The headline below is what I started laughing at. Man with only God can judge me tattoo suddenly realizes God can judge him. <laughs> That's the thing. You can go ahead and take that off there. That's the thing that so many people miss. When I hear people say, only God can judge me, I want to say, you're right, I can't. But guess what? God can, and he's gonna, and do you know what the standard is that he will judge you by? It's not yours. It's not mine. It's right here. It says, here's what the word of God is, alive, it's powerful. And it says, God is the one to whom we are accountable. And there is a standard there. So God's word reveals to us, here's what's true. Then it reveals to us what's wrong in my life. And we don't like that part. But it shows us what's wrong in, in our life because we are accountable to God. There will be a final judgment, okay? Uh, the, there is more, um, but th this is, I think, talking about more than just final judgment. This is current. We're accountable for the decisions that we make every day. There are consequences for the decisions we make every day. And it's, it's this, it's the word of God that points that out to us. You heard, in, uh, another thing you heard in that the Star Wars thing, they were talking about um, the things that you're supposed to pass on, and one of them is your failures, because failure is the best teacher. If I, if I know a lot, it's because I failed a lot. And that's not a bad thing. We learn from those failures. And God's word will point out my sin. And the, the big deal is I don't want it to have to do that every single time. Maybe I need to learn from that and not do the same things again. God's word shows me all the broken pieces in my life. Just when you start to think things are kind of getting put back together, God's word shows you the broken pieces. It draws my attention to those things that are holding me back from knowing him the way I should from experiencing his peace and his joy and his purposes in my life. In fact, that's pretty much always what holds us back from experiencing his purposes and his peace and his joy in our life when we're living in disobedience. So it reveals what's true. It shows me what's wrong in my life. And the third thing God's word does is it sets my thinking straight again. This is where something comes in that a lot of people have trouble with. Humility. A lot of people have trouble with humility. They don't want, they don't want other people to see the, fall, the faults and the flaws and, and, and the, the, the problems in their life. 
And when God sets my thinking straight, what I have to understand is, for me, that involves humility. That involves that submission before God that I say, That's, this is not what I want, but I know this is what you want. Like Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. We do the same thing every single day. And before God's word, I say, if you say it, I'll do it. If you say not to do it, I won't do it. That's how it needs to work. And I should be, I should be trembling and humbling myself before the power of that word. I can guarantee that if you have significant problems in your life with something, it can be traced back to disobedience. Always. Now, we can obey completely and there will still be problems, but there will also still be joy. And there will also still be peace when we obey him. So his word sets my thinking straight again. And then the fourth thing it says, it teaches me how to really live. Not just exist, not just get by, not just get through the troubles and get through tomorrow. There are too many times in life where um, I have done this. Many of you have done this. Some of you are doing it right now. You're in a difficult time and you just want that time to be done. And what we're doing is we're wishing our life away. We're in a difficult time. We don't want that difficult time, so we want to be here. And you realize there's a whole bunch of stuff that God can do in that difficult time to grow us. And we can learn to really live even during those difficult times because God's word is my teacher. It's like my, my, it's my, my tutor. I become a disciple of Jesus by listening to and obeying the word of God daily. That's how I become a follower of Jesus. Paul concludes um, by saying that um, you'll have all that you need to discover God's purposes in your life, what you're supposed to do with your life, how you're supposed to live your life, if you will simply trust God's word. It's his tool to shape us. So the question then is, have you submitted to the truth of God's word in your life? Or are there things you know that it says, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to listen to everything else, but not that. I want you to come back later and tell me how that works for you. Because every single time, it causes a problem. Another way to look at this passage, um, we actually touched on this. And, and what I just shared with you was just right from the words of God. But I have another way to look at it that just, it just helps me. We actually looked at this in, in week six, you know, episode six of this series when we talked about strongholds and about things in our life like that. Um, the Bible, living by truth. Here's what the Bible does. If we go back one verse from 2 Timothy 3 and look at verse 15 first, it actually shows us the truth about salvation. That's where we know how to come into a relationship with God. It says in the NIV translation, it says, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. This book doesn't save you, but it shows us Jesus. It shows us how we can have faith in him and come into a relationship with him and have salvation. But then the verse we looked at today talks about we have that new life. And then it talks about now how, how do we live that new life? And, and same passage, all scriptures, God breathed and youth, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Here's how I've looked at it my whole life. And it just helps me. It might help you. It talked about teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Teaching is God shows me the path to walk on. God's word, it's like, here's the path. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. Don't go here. Don't go here. Go here. That's what the word of God does. It shows me the path to walk on. The reproof or rebuking from that passage is God shows me when I get off the path 
and now I'm in the ditch. I'm off the way that he said to go. I'm laying down in a ditch. I'm looking up. Yep, there's the path. That's where I was supposed to be. And here's where I am now. That's what God's word does. It shows me, you see how you got here. The reason you're in what you're in is because you're not on the path anymore. That's rebuking or reproof. The correcting part of the scripture is how do I get back on the path? It's not enough to lay in a ditch and like, yep, I'm in the ditch. I know people who have been there for decades and they will fully admit, yep, in the ditch. It's like, don't you want to get out and back on the path? One of the reasons they don't is because they've never looked at what God says in his word. And here's how you get out of the ditch. Here's how you get back on the path. And the last part is the training. That's what God's word does for us. So first it shows us the path to walk on. Then it shows us when we get off the path and we're in a ditch. And then it shows us how to get back on the path, the right path for my life. The training part of it is how do I stay on the path? I didn't like the ditch. I want to stay on the path. How do I not fall in the ditch again? That's what God's word does. If you, if you don't look to God through his word, you won't be able to get out of whatever one of those places you're in. You'll fall off the path. You'll be in a ditch. You won't know how to get back on a path. You won't know how to stay on a path because that's what God's word does. Here's an example. As, uh, this is an example that we here at Journey in Our Church live by. It's like the very basis of our DNA and we saw it demonstrated last week in a big way. There's two things in scripture that we go by. The, we go by all of them, but there's two main things that kind of summarize everything for us. The Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And what we say here all the time is a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment will grow a great church. That's what God left us with. By the way, it will also grow great Christians to have a great commitment to the Great Commission and a Great Commandment. The Great Commission is, remember, go make disciples, baptize, teach them to obey. The Great Commandment is love God and love others. And when we focus on those things, those purposes from God's Word, we'll go the right direction. The Great Commission says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's the basis for it. That's how we can accomplish any of it. He says, therefore, on the basis of that, go and make disciples of all nations. That means take people who were not followers of Jesus and make them followers of Jesus. Help them to see the truth. Help them to see the light. Help them to see that they can have a relationship with him and be a follower of Jesus. And then, like we did last week, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's like our marching orders from Jesus before he left. That's what he told us to do. He didn't say, you can pick and choose. Pick one or two of those and, and run with it. He said, that's what you do. So we make disciples. We help people find hope and truth in Jesus. And then we take those disciples and we baptize them. That's what we did last week down at the beach. It's a demonstration outwardly of something that's happened inside. It's that association with, it's a public identification and a surrender to Jesus and the work he's done. We do that, it's that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we talked about when we talked about the authority of Jesus. That name thing is the, the authority part of it. And we're doing this um, in, in the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by the way, a lot of people say, um, you believe in that Trinity thing, don't you? You know, Trinity is not in the Bible. It's like, okay, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. The Trinity is in the Bible from the very first page to the very last page. Because there is one God, 
who exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says right here, when you baptize somebody, you baptize them in the name. It's, it's not plural. It's not the names of the, of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because they're God. Now, do you understand that fully now? <laughs> Could you explain it to me afterwards? Because I don't understand it fully. That's why Jesus came so that we would have somebody to look at, somebody to, that we could say, yes, I know God, because Jesus revealed God to us. That's a huge thing. We claim that authority and that presence. That's the basis for our mission. That's the basis for the Great Commission. So doing what the Bible says to do, not doing what it says not to do, that's the best way to have victory in these spiritual battles that we're in. The best way to have victory in these spirit wars. Staying on the path, you might have discovered, is not always the easiest thing to do. We talk about it here as making the hard right instead of the easy wrong. Because it's so easy to make that wrong decision. It's not always the popular way when you do it God's way. It's not always even the way that makes sense to you. As far as our thoughts and ideas go, your story might not be turning out the way that you wanted it to. But never forget, your story's not over. This is not on your outline. I just want to read a passage of Scripture. We're going to close with this from Isaiah 55. Um, If any of this kind of connects with you as you're reading, you might want to write down on your notes Isaiah 55, and you can go back and look at that later. But here's what God says. Here's what he's saying to you today. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth. Now think about that for a minute. He didn't say the heaven. He didn't say the sky. He said the heavens. Think about the heavens. You've seen those pictures. If you haven't, on Google Earth, you can, you can be in your spot and you can back up from your spot. And you can go from here's the spot that I'm in in the parking lot to here's a little big, big, and here's Minnesota, and here's the United States, and here's the world. And you can just keep backing up until the earth is just a little spot. You're still in the heavens. And you can back up until you see the galaxies, ever, and that you're still in the heavens. And, and God says, as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So many people think that they got God figured out. God wouldn't do that. It's like, really? You know what God would do exactly? And how do you know that? His ways are a little higher than yours. See, something, here's something. Never forget this. God is God. And you are not. Never forget that. Because it's very easy to think that we got it all figured out. And God says, you know, my ways are a little higher than yours. My thoughts are a little higher than yours. And then he says something very interesting. Next verse. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, not from the heavens, but just from the sky. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. So the rain comes down, it does its thing before it goes back up so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. We understand that whole ecological system and how the the water evaporates, gets in the sky, it turns into clouds and comes to Minnesota and rains whenever I need to mow the lawn. That's part of this verse, how that works. He says, that will always happen. He said, just like that always happens. So is my word, God says, that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, 
We think sometimes it does. We share something with somebody and it seems like it's just boing, bouncing off and they're not really hearing anything. God says, my word will not return empty. It may take a while, but it won't return empty. He said, it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word will always do that. That's why we have to know it so that we can share it. And here's the result of that. When you accept God's word and you do what he asks, here's the result of that. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Anybody here would like joy and peace? That's where it comes from. It comes from God's word. You go out in joy, be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of thorn bush, thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. I don't know what a myrtle is, but it's better than briars, okay? And it says, this will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. You see, your story is not over yet. You say, I've messed up a lot along the way. I know someone else who messed up a lot along the way. His name was Paul. He used to be Saul. You didn't mess up like Paul. I've yet to meet somebody who said, yeah, before I was a Christian, I used to kill other Christians. <laughs> used to hunt them down and kill them. I've never met anybody like that. I've met people who said they wanted to do that, but they never actually did that. Paul actually did that. And God turned his life around. And he did not focus on all the things he used to do and all the bad. He learned the lessons from that. Because like Yoda said, we learn from the failures. It's a good teacher. He moved on. He said, now, this is what I know. This is what I'm focusing on. So if your life isn't going the direction it should, guess what? The story's not over yet. It can be rewritten by going to the author. And what his word says, do. What his word says not to do, don't do. You say, well, how do I know that? Well, you could read it. You could, I left my cup back there, um, my water cup that says, coffee, Jesus, repeat, every day, spend time with him. Every day, spend time with Jesus and his word. Listen to him. When he says something, obey. When he says not to, don't. If you have questions about it, ask somebody. Dig deeper. Obey it. That's where the answers are. In God's word. So if you want to win the spiritual battle that you're going through right now, submitting to the authority of God's word is actually not an option. If you don't do that, you won't win the battle. You won't. It's only through God's word. I'd like you to bow your heads as we pray. I know, God, that there are many things in your word that we hear that um, we don't like because they, they poke us. And they... they they expose things we don't want exposed. And my prayer, Father, is that as your word does that, as your spirit uses your word and exposes those things in us, we'll realize that it's, it's so that we can have the meaning and the purpose in life that you want for us. And I know, Father, that there's people listening to this. They don't have that relationship with you. They haven't, they haven't stepped across that line from unbelief to belief. And I pray, Father, that this morning they would realize if they want to win the battles, if they want to have the, the forgiveness and the meaning and purpose in life and the hope for the future, that there's only one way, and that way is, is explained and opened up in your word. It can make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And that by turning to Jesus and recognize that it's our sin that separated us from you, and that by turning to you, 
turning from our sin and to you and trusting that what you did on the cross was to pay for our sin, that we can have that relationship with you that will lead to the joy and the peace in our life, even in the midst of horrible circumstances, that we can experience that joy and that peace. And Father, for those who have done that, I pray that you would um, awaken in us that desire to follow you, that desire to know the truth, to allow the truth to show us um, when, when we're off the path. Show us how to get back on the path and show us how to stay on the path to experience all that you have for us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. God wants you to have an abundant life. The enemy's true purpose for you is to steal, kill, and destroy. You may think that... Am I echoing like really... That's because you need to hear it more than once. This is very important. The enemy's true purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes in and says, you know what he's been saying since day one? Did God really say that? That's what he says. Did God really say that? And if you don't know what the Bible says, you're going to question it. You're going to do the wrong thing, and he will be able to steal, kill, and destroy the joy and abundance from your life. That's what it says. Jesus came so that you could have life that you could have it in abundance to the fullest till it overflows. That's what John 10.10 says. We only get that by listening to him and following him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And my prayer is that we would just follow hard after you, That, that when you say go, we would go, that when you ask us, our answer would be yes that when you deny us, that we would with joy say, okay, I trust you. Help us, Father, to, to put you and your ways first, knowing that will bring us the joy that we're really looking for and the, the, the peace in our life. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.